Hey, I'm Allison. And I'm Courtney. Join us as we talk about our post-op diets, interview really cool guests, share products we love, encourage each other on our journeys, and, you know, just live in our best lives. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the No Guts, No Glory podcast, season four, episode one, Allison, your face. I'm ah. so excited to see it. Like <laughs> my steroid face, my oh. large steroid chipmunk cheek face. Allison is now the tiniest human in the world. Oh. <laughs> and existing on steroids. <laughs> yeah. With, I, I have like, um, if you imagine Mick Jagger's body or like the Grinch, because <laughs> I have like extra skin in my stomach. So I have sort of this like tiny frail human. I weigh 149 pounds, <laughs> but I have like a weird little like pouchy belly um, and huge chipmunk cheeks. And only like the only part of your body that the steroids are like, yes, we're going to do Fill is- it out. <laughs> yep. Yes. My face. Oh, but so it's... I have a giant, a giant face and frail body. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here, and it's day seventy. I call it bonus days. So it's my bonus day seventy. It's amazing. I told Al I was reading our um, emails today. So our inbox did something weird, where it like showed me all of the like promotional things, but it wasn't showing me actual emails. So I would look at our inbox and I'd be like, oh my God, we have 150 messages, but they were all like Wix and our website and things like that. And then I saw actual people ones and I was like, oh no. And they were from like October and they're like, how is Allison? Tell us about Allison. And then in November, like all caps, is Allison okay? And I'm like, okay, we, um, this episode is called Allison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dude, it has been a hot minute. Um, You have been through it. I think maybe the first – let's just talk about your surgery. Um, But also, if you can remember back to this moment, because it seems wild now. When Al was listed in the hospital, she was listed at level one, which is like the most urgent, like you are ASAP. And then like 24 hours later, you called me crying because they were like, you don't need a heart, right. uh, which was clearly not true. It wasn't that I, to be one, right? Right. right. They <laughs> originally had said like, oh my God, like you, I had a cardiac cath outside the hospital and they were like, you are like level one. You need a heart immediately. And then um, I got into the hospital on the 10th of October, they like, and I, they had like two days where they were just doing some random things. And then they did um, a swan um, and tested all the levels inside my heart. And I hadn't really moved in two days because, I, you know, there's nowhere for me to go. And they were like, your levels are perfectly fine. Well, I was like, well, of course they're perfectly fine. I haven't done – I've been in bed for two days. <laughs> for this the is first not- time in like – Years. Like, absurd amounts of time because you had gotten the news so quickly that we were literally like, okay, we're going to record the last episode of the podcast. You're getting your house ready. You're getting your work ready. Like you were a flurry of activity, like literally no time to breathe before you went into surgery. And then you went and just like laid down and your body is probably like, what the actual heck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I had been like up to that point of going in the hospital, I was working out with a trainer three times. Yes. 
I was um, walking on the treadmill every day. I was going for a dog walk every day. Like I was moving like crazy. um, And I was just like, what is going on? But then there was this amazing doctor who was like, obviously we understand that this is not that like, this is not, this is not the real picture of you. This is not it. Yeah. This is not it. And they did more testing and they were like, yeah. So they, they listed me at level two, which is actually where you want to be. Level one is so bad that like, they're not even sure you'll survive the surgery. Yeah. So I was listed at level two. Um, and three days later I got the call, not a call, but I was walking the halls and the doctor who originally told me that like, I should just go home and wait rather than wait in the hospital. because was like, Hey, Allison, can I talk to you? And I was like, Oh shit. Like, great. This guy that like, I am so not happy with. (laughs) The bearer of bad news. (laughs) The bearer of bad news wants to talk to me. And I was like, sure. So we walked into the room and I sat on the bed and he sat like parallel to me in a chair. And he was like, so how do you feel about a donor that has COVID? And I was like, well, I, I trust whatever judgment you guys have. I'm not a doc. Like I don't have any feelings against it as long as you guys think it was safe. And he's like, cause we have the perfect donor for you. And I remember just being like, speechless. I was by myself. Jeff wasn't there. Um, and I just remember like wanting to cry, wanting to laugh, wanting to be like, what is going on? What? <laughs> yeah. And even at that point when they say to you, like, we have a, we have a heart that we think is a perfect match. That doesn't necessarily mean, yes, it's definitely happening because yeah. it's going to involve, you know, they still have to look at it. They still have to test it. They have to do a bunch of like MRIs on it. They have to check the levels. They have to take it out of the body and make sure right. that it doesn't get damaged. They have to then bring it to the hospital in which I'm at, make sure it doesn't get damaged. And There's the so heart many- is the last organ that they take, which is something that I learned from right. you. Like yeah. they do all of the other organs first. So there's like the heart has to survive all of that and still be in this perfect condition to make itself to you. Right. And so there was just so many scenarios. So like, they're like, it's probably your surgery will happen. If everything, if all of these things line up, the stars line up, your surgery is going to happen at 6am the following morning. And I'm like, okay. You know, so then I'm like, (laughs) I'm I'm calling Jeff. um, Cause again, I'm in a hospital that's hours away from where we live. So I'm like calling Jeff, letting him know, um, you know, and it's sort of like, I won't be able to see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. So when I, you know, he brought the kids in and brought everybody in to say like, I love you. And like, give hugs and all that stuff. Um, and then the surgery didn't end up happening until like late. I feel like it was like four. It was because I, I like remember it was one of the biggest days ever at work. And I literally went into every meeting and I was like, listen, if you want me here today, my phone is fucking on and it is like right next to me. Yeah. And that this is it. Everybody in my work was like, no, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember like somewhere around like one or two, I was like, oh my gosh, is this like not really going to happen? You yeah. know? And, um, I was getting really like anxious about it, but then what did happen, it obviously happened, but um, when it was time to take me down, all the nurses on the, on the team, on the floor that I was on, they put on, um, milkshake. Yes. No, I had, I, Cause like I had been joking that I wanted like a balloon arch and I wanted yeah. like, I wanted the Rocky soundtrack and I like wanted this whole, I wanted like balloons to fall it and was like the best. Yeah. So they put on um, milkshake and like all danced me onto my stretcher and danced me down like this specific, specific hallway that you go down to get to the OR. Um, and it it was just, it was really the best way because it didn't really oh hit God. me. It didn't hit me how um, freaked out I was until like literally maybe 30 seconds 
to a minute before the all of the drugs hit and I went yes. to sleep because I remember laying there in the OR and that's when um, you know I had hugged everybody. Um, Jeff was there and um, two of our friends had come with him to kind of keep him company, which was amazing. And you know I said goodbye to everybody and then was laying on the table in the um, operating room and I, you know you're staring at the lights and everybody's kind of flurrying around and no one's really paying attention to me except yeah. like using my body as a table and getting me prepped and like, and then it starts, it starts, my mind is like, Oh my God. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, like, you know, you actually have a second to be like, this is actually happening. I love though that you had a doctor who like literally just went for the one topic that you're interested in and was not the one, but was like, yo, what about this? And you're like, Oh cool. Let's talk about that. And then you're like, that was my last thought. And then boom out. Yep. I know my the anesthesiologist was awesome. He talked to me about something that I was really interested in, and then so cool. he would come to see me, and he was like, "Do you know like the last thing you said to me was about blah 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 blah?" And I was like, "That is so funny." You're like, "That's very on brand." Yeah, that that feels very much like me, um, even in my subconscious. <laughs> yeah, but I think the surgery took, I want to say like eight hours. Like I was, what, right? Was it eight it or ten? Was- I, it was a while because I remember them saying that it could be like up to 12 or something. And I, and then it, we got to like hour six and I was like, Oh my gosh, how's it going? And then yeah. It was like, Oh, so shortly after that, that we were like, it was like you were done, but it, yeah. It was- so they, they didn't wake me up until the next day. Yeah. And that was like the worst day because you, I was incubated. So I had this like large um, tube down my throat and like, when it like aspirated or like when it, I don't even know what the word, but like when it like whatever it was doing, it feels like I could not breathe. Yeah. Um, And that was, I was just like begging them to take it out. And And you're alone and you have the catheter in your neck and like your body feels like you just got hit by a truck, but you're on pain medicine. So like you're feeling it and you're kind of like not there, but kind of there. (laughs) Yeah. It was rough. Um, But then I got walking, I think. I think I sat up that day and I got walking the next day. It was um, absurd. I literally yeah. remember Jeff being like, so they told Al that she might not week walk for like at least a week, like even try to take steps. <laughs> the next day you're like, so does somebody want to go on a walk with me? <laughs> I know. I know. I, I like couldn't, I just can't just sit there. I was like, no, thank you. I, um, you know, I mean, it's not a very comfortable walk because I'm connected oh, to you. I yeah. always, it's funny. We've been watching a lot of shows lately because we can't leave the house. So a lot of them are like very medical shows. And there was this one person who had a liver transplant. And she was connected to literally nothing right after <laughs> surgery. And Jeff and I are like, that is such bullshit. That's not accurate. <laughs> not, that, this is not accurate. We watched um, that movie last Christmas. Oh, um, yes. And I was like, where's her scar? And, yeah. she's, and she was like eating a salad from like a takeout place. I was like, she can't eat that. <laughs> And there but, are bacteria levels, girl. <laughs> I know. And then it's funny because Nima called me out on that. He's like, so let me get this straight. You can watch a Christmas movie that like is based on like a man coming down a chimney and you're okay with that, but you're not okay with her not having a scar or eating a salad or like not following the rules. I was like, that this is correct. That is correct. <laughs> there is an important belief that that man comes down the chimney. <laughs> right. That, that is Christmas magic. Exactly. Everything else is just whatever. Science. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude. So I think one of the things that has been crazy is how, like, so you went in walking four miles a day. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the 
things that when they were like, okay, we're, we need to like put you back at a level four. I was like, have they taken you to the stairwell? Have they had Mm -hmm. you try to take one step? Like, but post-surgery, all of that muscle is just like gone, gone, which is, (laughs) I don't even think like, it's hard for me to understand. I'm only remotely understanding it by watching and hearing what you're going through, but that's fucking crazy because you're so strong you worked so hard on being strong and it makes sense like why your surgeon was like this is what we have to do to get you ready before because it is going to be the toughest thing that your body goes through right I mean well first of all so I was 172 pounds when I went into the hospital on October 10th and I can't imagine weighing any more than that and trying to get through this I'm now 149 um just because like it is so much my body. If I want to cross my legs when I'm sitting, I have to literally pick my leg up. Yeah. So I can, I'm still walking on the treadmill and I'm doing cardiac rehab three times a week, but I literally can't go up a step or go up a curb without holding on to someone. Um, I don't at this have those point, muscles. It's not because of your heart. It's right. It's not that you like, I don't know. Yeah, it's not muscular, you can, <laughs> but right. it's the literal muscle of your body and being able to heal that, which is like right. a it, whole new problem. They were explaining that there's a whole science behind um, deconditioning and every day spent in bed, like really takes you like really, I can never say the word after treat your muscles after, after oh, atrophy. Okay. Atrophy. Yeah. yeah. I can never get that word. I got right. you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, like every day it like really destroys all of that. And I mean, it's a hundred percent true. And like, I was again, working out with a trainer three times a week. I was yes. walking twice a day. Like I was putting in the work. I had lost a lot of weight. Um, and so it's not even like when you go to your cardiac rehab, so you have they said what it's like 13 sessions, but you're probably going to do double because you're a heart transplant patient. And yeah, it's even 18. Then, okay. Eight, 18 sessions, but they said that's not enough for heart transplant. And they said even after another 18, it's you'll still not enough. strength still. Yeah. Yeah. You'll still need to like work out with someone. Um, and you're on like session three? Uh, no, I'm, I think maybe seven or eight. Okay. I skipped. Yeah, I didn't skip that last one, but I went to the last one, but it didn't count because I left early because somebody showed up sick. Yeah, and we have to talk about this. Yeah, we, we have to use our platform for this. We have to. Yeah, like, yeah, a hundred percent. But um, I do like. I want to just say to like everybody that's listening, everyone at cardiac rehab, everyone who meets Allison, everyone in her follow up appointments, is like amazed at how well she's walking, how strong she is, like. And this is the weakest she's ever felt in her life. And it is like, I just think there's such a thing, right? It's like, oh my God, because people will ask me, they're like, oh my God, how's your best friend doing? Like, I know she got a heart transplant. And I'm like, yeah, but like two months after a heart transplant is like, like the fact that she is walking three miles in a day is like astounding. Like everyone who meets her is medically is like, what the hell are you doing this? Right. So it is. It's a, it's gotta be a mind fuck to go from where you were to, yes, to this. Well, also let's talk about how they sent me pictures of my old heart. Oh my God. So I literally have photos of my old heart and because I asked for them repeatedly and (laughs) 
weird and I love you. (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, like, but honestly, it was so validating because like, there's one thing for them to say to you, like your heart is failing and you need a new one. And you're like, right, right. Yeah. Like, sure. But there's another thing to physically see it. And when I saw it, there was no room for blood. And what's so interesting is I had open heart for four years ago and they made more space for the blood. And like, I sent the pictures to my like cardiologist who had been following me with the heart disease (laughs) that I had. And he was like, um, yeah. So three quarters of your heart, there's no room for blood. And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I like how he teased you though. He goes, yeah, it was totally all the way, Allison. It was, yeah, (laughs) I know. And it was so validating because it's like, I literally, I gained all that weight because like, I literally couldn't do things and I just didn't realize it because it like crept up on you. Well, even the weight loss surgeon being like, yeah, I don't know if you'll ever get under 200. And then you like, oh my God, I get to see him in like a week and a half. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. (laughs) So excited. For you to be like, look at what happens when my heart is cooperating with my body. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. And I'm on steroids. So like, I wonder if like half of this, like, am I going to be 140 once I can get off the steroids? I know. It's crazy. (laughs) I I don't know if I, I think I would look sickly. Like I don't, I don't, I I do appreciate being this thin, but it's not like I'm like, oh, I look good. Cause I thought I looked good at 172. You did. Honestly, I feel like it'll be a good thing where when your body is able to accept more food. And that's something we're going to talk about in our next episode, like Allie's update with food and stuff. Like when your body is able to food, which (laughs) I don't know. To be honest, right, right. It really might not be a thing, but um, like gaining five pounds will not be as devastating, which makes me really happy for you. I mean, hopefully I'll put muscle on and muscle is supposed to weigh more. So muscle is definitely, yeah, it's like more dense. It's going to be a good, it'll be a good thing. We're going to get there. It's going to happen, but it felt okay. So when you came home, Mm -hmm. you had two amazing things happen. So first of all, being in the hospital, I am going to have you explain this because I don't necessarily understand it well. But one of the things that they measure a lot is your TACRO level mm-hmm. and um, they're measuring, they take biopsies for rejection. And it's essentially Allison is, the rest of her is so healthy that her body is literally going to fight accepting this invader like right. that it perceives. And so they measure rejection and that is terrifying. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I mean, then that's the thing I'm going to worry about forever. People are like, oh, is this just for the first couple months? Is it for the first year? It's, it's for the rest of my life. Yeah. So um, the I'm on three major immunosuppressant drugs and one of them is Tacro. And so Tacro is amazing because it will take your immune system down, but it also will destroy your your kidneys and yeah. do a lot of damage. So they need to keep it within a certain level. So that gets tested all the time. And the issue that I'm having, which makes me an enigma to them, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> they've seen it, but they said it's not very common, is the way that I metabolize drugs. Yeah. So um, it's been a lot of back and forth. And I had <clears throat> two two biopsies in the hospital. Um, and a biopsy is where they'll go in through a cardiac cath. So they either go through your arm, your neck, or your groin. And they go in, they take four pieces of your heart four small pieces of your heart and they check it for rejection. Um, the very first biopsy I had, I had rejection. They put me on an insane amount of IV steroids. And that for, was when you were in the hospital. Is in the hospital. So then they um, did another 
a biopsy when I was still in the hospital, there was still rejection. Um, and then I was supposed to go home and then I, I passed out and I hit my head. So then I stayed in longer. I ended up being in the hospital for 24 days, which is really not that long when you consider what happened to me, but um, it felt very long. It's not, because, but it is mentally destroying. Yes. Like, and like, cause they kept saying like, you can go home. And then they'd be like, oh, you had, di- you had rejection. Yes. Oh, you can go home. Oh, you just passed out. Oh, you know what I mean? So yes. um, <laughs> they eventually did send me home. The third biopsy I had, no rejection. The fourth biopsy, I think there was rejection. The fifth biopsy, no. The I think there were two without, and then it was two, th- two with. Yeah, so I did, yeah. I'm three. I'm three for six. So three rejections, three no rejections. Um, the last one I had was no rejection. But when they when I do have rejection, it's not. There's two different kinds of rejection. Mine was acute, but they. It's so that just means it's not a death sentence. It's just a change of medication sentence, and so that was a hundred milligrams of steroids for four days. And then you taper to 60 for three days and then you taper to 40. And I've been on 40 since, um, which is a lot because when I left the hospital, I was on like 20. Um, so I'm on a lot of steroids and steroids make me crazy. So my husband is an angel. Steroids are, I think I've told you, I have told you this, like when Mm -hmm. I had to take even the most minimal amount of steroids, I was like, I would fight with everybody and everything, including myself, I would be like, why am I acting like this? And I would logically know like I'm on steroids. It is completely changing my body. It is not me. It's a chemical thing. Like, and mm-hmm. it would not matter. And I'd be like, I am going crazy. Yeah, so when like, you were like, I have to take a hundred, I was, I literally was like, I just want to hug you. Like, <laughs> I know. You're in for a ride. <laughs> yes. Those are rough weeks because it was, <sighs> you were taking, a, I was taking so many steroids on weeks that I knew that my heart was rejecting. And then it's just like, mm-hmm. even just the word rejection. Oh, it's a tough terrible. word. The tough words word. that they use in the transplant, like when they told you about getting the heart, they were like, well, we have to harvest the other organs first. And I'm like, okay, could we pick a different word? Like, even if you guys want to say harvest, could we say like, I don't right. know, literally anything. Right, right. <laughs> like, like delicately collect like a flowers from a garden, you know what I mean? We need to gift the other organs to the Right, that's like, a good one. That's right? a good one. Like, yes. Okay. And then they say rejection and then like, there's just so many terms that I'm like, fuck, you're in such a delicate headspace emotionally. And we've talked about like, you haven't even gotten to cope or address the fact that like, there is a heart of another human in your body. That alone yes. is such a big piece. And you're in like, you're in survival mode right now. You haven't even mm-hmm. gotten to like break that apart. Um Right. Yeah. I've been in physical survival mode, so I haven't even gotten into the emotional part, but I did find a counselor having her. I'm hoping that it's a good hit. You know, anybody who's done therapy, you know, it's like dating somebody, like finding a good, <laughs> yes. a good mix of stuff. Um, so working on that, but I haven't gotten there yet. And, um, and that's okay. Cause I mean, yeah. like, it's only been 70 days Yes. and, um, and like my energy level is like low, I'm not sleeping because the steroids and the tacro cause insomnia. Which is crazy. I wanted to ask you, I think I, are you exhausted or do the drugs make you never tired? Like what, how does it work? I'm exhausted. Like I, and I like, so what's happening is I'll take my eight. So I had to take meds. I take them 
three times a day, but like yeah. some big heavy hitters are at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. And then I have meds that I take at noon, but like, and then again at 11 p.m., but I usually take them after my eight. But um, I have to take the ones at eight and eight. There's yeah. just no, there's no, no wiggle room there. Like if um, you were on the Pacific coast, we are waking up at 5 a.m. and you are taking yes. them at 5 a.m. Like that's what's happening. Yes. You, you have to be consistent. Um, and isn't that true with everything in life, right? Yeah. Like you need to do something it has to be consistently. So I have to do it and I have to do it the same way. So like I take it with a protein shake in the morning and whatever. Um, and so what's happening is I'll take the APM meds and they, something in them hits and I am like out for the count by eight, between 8.30 to 9. Like yesterday I fell asleep sitting straight up, sitting straight up. I fell asleep for an hour. That's and crazy. It's crazy. Like, like, but you can't control it. Like, it's I not. Can't. It's not like you're like, okay, let's doze now. It's like, no, bye. This yeah, is shut down. Uh huh. It was just like done. And so, what's happening is I'm falling asleep. You know, between, like, let's say eight thirty, I'll wake up again around ten. Um, crawl into bed, fall asleep, and then I am up anywhere between midnight to 3.30 in the morning um, yeah. awake. And like, I'll try to go back to sleep. I have a Headspace app that I'll try to do, um, but I can't. And, and it's like one of the, and we've all had bouts of insomnia. So like I'm tired and my eyes are like foggy, but like I can't get back to sleep. And then my mind is going crazy. And then like, you know, you're there alone with your thoughts at a time where you're just like, everything's overwhelming. I and can't everybody do this. is asleep. So you are literally like, it is you, you are there yeah. alone. Yeah. So that's when I get up. I usually walk on the treadmill from like four to like five thirty, um, and just kind of get started with the day. I, the things that have make, made me sane is like, I'll make a to-do list and I'll do like, and the simplest things are on that to-do list. Like I have shower every other day, you know, I yeah. wash my face, eat breakfast, eat lunch, each dinner. Like I have different things that I clean every day. Um, just because, like, otherwise, I feel like a complete waste. No, it's of, important, right? Like, I, it. That's the only thing that's keeping me like Dude. sane. When I took um, the two weeks off or two months off in between, like jobs, mm-hmm. I I was like, oh my god, this is going to be the best ever. On day four of playing Sims for twenty four hours and not getting a shower and not wearing clothes, I was like, Rob, I'm I can't do this. I'm like, I'm depressed and he was like yeah. okay <laughs> so it's important to have like routine and to have things that you can like yeah cross off <laughs> yeah I need to feel like I'm doing something productive yeah. um which so, again before surgery like right I was independent you but, like did not stop <laughs> at all <moving>. ever <laughs> I know. And like, I still can't carry more than 10 pounds. I can't drive. Yeah. I still have to sit in the back seat because the, if it, if I was in an accident, the airbag would like destroy my septum or yeah. my sternum, not septum, but maybe my septum too. I could break my nose, but my sternum. <laughs> Definitely um, the sternum. Yeah. Um, so I'm still under like pretty major restrictions. Yeah. Cause this is, and it's, as you know, I was thinking I would have a handle on it cause I already had open heart, but this is so different, way different. Um, even your recovery, like, yeah, way harder. Because we, we, after your first open heart, you kind of like went back. I like, I remember you saying after like a month or something you did. And I remember you saying that like, it didn't feel as good as you were hoping. And like, Cart cardiac wise, like, I remember you being like, it's still really fucking hard to breathe. Like it's still like things are not easy. Like I thought walking up the hill would be like great now and it's not. And I remember mm-hmm. that struggle, but this is like 300,000 times 
different and harder. And yeah, it's, it is absurd because I remember them being like, you're going to be healing for like six to 10 months before you can do like simple things. And we were like, ha 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 ha. But no, <laughs> like yeah. that's realistic. And it's a really hard time, a l- amount of time to give yourself graciousness for. <laughs> right. Especially 100%. my super overachieving yeah. type A best friend. <laughs> right. But it's, it's like, so- <clears throat> sorry, I'm choking. But it's so important, like giving yourself that space and that time. Yeah. So it's funny because like after every biopsy, you meet with the the transplant team. And so there was another patient in there and I didn't see this patient, but um, I was like, when I went to meet with them, I was like, is this normal that like, I still can't go up a step and like, I still, <laughs> and they're like, just so you know, the patient here before you had surgery over a year ago and they're still in a wheelchair. Yeah. You're doing great. Like you're doing okay. You're doing yeah. like better than the normal person. You don't look like a, a heart transplant patient. Like you are walking, you are doing the work. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what kind of, I don't know who those people are and why they're in a wheelchair and like what else is going on. But, but it's nice to have info, even like the information that you guys found about, like it was only 2000 people in the U S get a heart transplant and only 4,000 people worldwide in a year. So like you're one of 2000 people this year. And your wait time, we were like, that was insane. I sometimes, I'm not a good like infographic person, but sometimes I want to make us a good, I want to make a good infographic to be like, here's all the positive things associated because you, you guys know, like we are mental health advocates. We both see the value in it. This is like, yeah, I, I have always like, thought that I'm an empathetic person. I think that even remotely relating to Allison's experience has made me dig, dig deeper into my empathy. Like there are things that you're going through that it is hard to even begin to comprehend and you are very gifted with words. So you're able to like share them with people, but processing it takes a while. <laughs> like it's not like literally going outside and thinking about not being able to like go lift your leg up a step is like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Don't hear that. Like physically think about what that means to somebody right. and their day. And that is like a whole new level of empathy, um, which I want to use <laughs> to talk about vaccines <laughs> right? and flu shots. And um, I think that they have become – so political in the past few years. And that is crazy to me, but it is one of the things like Allie went to cardiac rehab the other day and Mm -hmm. she literally left and had to leave because she was in a space where there weren't any like temperature checks, which is crazy to me. Crazy. I'm sorry. If you're in a cardiac rehab unit, there needs to be like, have you been coughing? Have you been sneezing? Have you been exposed to X, Y, Z? Like what? (laughs) And, and where she is, they're like, you know, we don't usually have transplant patients. Okay. Well now you do, you have a transplant patient, you know, that her immune system is completely tanked. Like now there needs to be a checklist while this person is in your care. I always look at it And somebody said it once to me with Rob and his grandpa, 
always act like you are around the most vulnerable person in your life. And for a while, that was Rob's grandpa. And I was always somebody that was like, I don't get the flu. I don't need the flu shot. And I remember my coworkers who were older than me looking at me and being like, wow, you're a brat. What about us? Like, what if you gave us the flu? And I'm like, well, I don't get the flu. And they're like, but you could still carry it. And I'm like, I don't care. It didn't affect me personally. And then when Rob's grandpa became so ill and it was our last chance to see him at Christmas and it was like, get the flu shot or you can't see him. It was like, holy shit, of course, why would I not get it? And then from that moment, it like literally unlocked to me, treat everything like you're around the most vulnerable person in your life, in your community, in everything. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, what do I need to do to protect other people? Like, immediately. And you have to count on that. Right. For the rest of my life. For the rest of your life. Like you literally, there have been points where Jeff has had to work where because Allison can't fall and because Allison needs help getting up and doing different things and carrying things over 10 pounds, like there has to be somebody physically present. And you guys have to ask people now, like, do you have your flu shot? Are you up to date on vaccines? And it is wildly crazy to both Allie and I, the amount of people that love her and want to support her. And their answer is, oh no, we really haven't thought about that. Right. Um, It's devastating to be honest with you. It is because it's just, and then, and people that are like, we've had people that we are both dear, dear friends with who are like, well, it, it sucks for 24 hours. And it's like, okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've had people say like, yeah, like, oh, but I don't, I don't want to get it because it makes me feel bad for 24 hours. It's like, okay. But you know, like it could literally kill me. But you have to think bigger than yourself for this one. And it is like, it's important for your community. It's been important with COVID and people who can't get vaccines and people who for religious reasons or medical reasons, like truly are unable Mm-hmm. It helps protect them too, but just knowing like what Elle is going through and the spaces that she's limited to, and we likened it a lot to like even Rob and I were saying this before you and I said this. Like, it's it's like having a friend who is now in a wheelchair, and you realize how many places are closed off to that person because there's not wheelchair access, mm-hmm. and it's something that is just not in your life at all until it is. Right. And I mean, we say all the time, I'm looking at Rob now. <laughs> we say all the time with like Rob's papa, but but now even more so with you, like it's just something so simple that you can do that makes an impact on somebody's life. And if the only reason is just because you haven't gotten around to it yet, we kind of implore you to yeah, think beyond that. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it makes me feel like, am I just an expendable person? Like, does somebody look at me like, well, she's sick anyway. So like, why do I need to protect her or think about her? And and, and like, there are many other transplant patients in the world. There's many people fighting cancers. There's parents out there trying to protect their kids with asthma and other comorbidities. Yeah. It's like, you know, and like, even just the stigma you feel about, like, Jeff is always like, I go to the grocery store. I'm like the only person wearing a mask. And I feel like everyone's yeah. staring at me. It's like, if they understood my wife's at home, she had a heart transplant. I, I need to keep Dude. her safe. Like maybe you wouldn't look at me with such judgmental like, oh, this guy's crazy. You know what I mean? Yes. Germaphobe. And it's like, you know, sometimes like you just need to be kind and just think about like somebody 
other than yourself. The amount of people I had to tell over COVID, like I'm diabetic and I have asthma. Like right. the doctor's not really worried about the asthma. I am, but they are worried about the diabetes. Like until I can get a vaccine and even after, like I'm going to wear this mask. But I had to tell people that. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't, right? I probably didn't have to tell them. I could have just taken it, but I felt like I had to explain myself. And I hate that for you, that you feel like you have to explain yourself. And it's like, no, just be kind to other people. Like everyone has a situation. Right. You never know what someone's going through. We all know that line. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, So we thought about it, but this feels important to share. So we wanted to share it. And um, I just definitely, if you work in healthcare, (laughs) uh, if you have right. like, but also just... like if so I went to cardiac rehab there was a woman there who was a patient and she was packing a very phlegmy cough she was wiping her nose with a, a tissue that was like overly saturated with snot she was so popping uh, yeah she was popping um cough drops she was t- like had touched this nap this tissue that was like yeah. obviously you know we've all been there we've all had colds where yes. you're have a tissue that's completely just snot covered, touching all the equipment, touching the, the counter in which you talk to the, the nurses at. And like, I saw this and just like literally had a panic attack because like, oh, dude, I'm trying not to get sick. I don't want to go back in the hospital. Like you're supposed like, to be in a safe space. Like supposed to be in a safe space. And I was only in my warm up on the treadmill. And I was like, I asked my like handler person, my nurse person. And I was like, is she sick? Like, this is not okay. I don't feel safe. And even with my panic attack, my hyperventilating, my crying, I was like, I'm not, I don't feel safe. I'm leaving. Yeah, I got to go. And unfortunately, I wish that they would have said to her before I had even had to say anything, you shouldn't be here. Because I think obviously like are fighting something. Her generational, like, and I mean, it's hard, right? Like my parents both, I know that they still go to work if they're sick because that is how they were brought up to like not be weak, go to work. Right, <laughs> right, like, right, right. And you hope that COVID has like changed that and people are like, you know what? It's okay. I, I can wear a mask. I don't need to go to work. I can take sick time. You would hope that um, and maybe it's not a reality for everybody, right. <laughs> but beyond her, you had, there are medical professionals that were sitting there being like, we're about to invite a heart transplant patient in and we know this person is sick. Like either they should have a called you and been like, you know what? Nope. Not a good Absolutely day. not. Don't come in. Or like, Yo, person out. Yes. Dude, like, right, well, you know sanitize what? Sanitize everything. Like, right. I went for blood work this morning because I go every Tuesday if I don't have a biopsy to check the TACRO levels. And there was a note next to the thing, like, and it said, if you have any cold symptoms, we're going to ask you to reschedule and ask you to leave. It's like, and yes. it was the same hospital. So it's like, why? Like, My why iron and transfusion places like that too, because they have places, they have people that are like yeah. chemo patients. patients. They have yes. really low immune system people. And when I go in, like, I literally have to do a temperature check. They ask me, they have like a five question thing that I sign where I am like bound to my answers that like I am okay. Mm-hmm. And then then I am invited to come in and stay. And like I have to wear a mask. Rob comes with me because I'm neurotic about medical appointments and I get really nervous and yada yada. But mm-hmm. like he has to answer the questions. He has to wear a mask. So I'm like, yeah. 
come on. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, there was no, so that was Friday when that happened and there was no rehab yesterday, obviously because of like the celebrating the holiday, Christmas yeah. and holiday. So I'll go in tomorrow. So it, they called me, but like my phone has been turning itself on personal mode. Like, do you, I don't, so I didn't realize that like my phone is like, has a focus thing on it, but I'm glad they, I wouldn't have picked up anyway. Cause I would, it was yeah. not in the headspace on Friday to chat about it. But Wednesday when I can do this, um, unemotionally, I can say like, Okay. So like, what is the actual deal? Why wasn't she asked to leave? Right. What's Um, the plan moving forward? Why are you not like, you know that this is a thing for me. So are you questioning people that come in? Are you going to call me? Like, what is, what do we need to do? This isn't okay. This Um, can't happen again. Right. So yeah. Um, that was, that was, uh, you know, so this is just really hard. This whole thing is very hard. hard. And you've explained to me, like, you're at home. So think of COVID, the worst mm -hmm. of COVID, when we were all literally home, not going anywhere, not able to do anything. Um, And then, so Allison is living in that world right now, alone. (laughs) With everybody else going out and doing things. And and it's like, I remember getting COVID this summer and having to stay home for two weeks. And I wanted to, like, pull my hair out. I was like, let me outside. I'm going to go outside. I need to be outside. I'm not okay. Like I need to leave my house. And I was so sick. I had, I, I couldn't like right. responsibly. I could not be like, I'm going to go walk on the trail today. Cause like, I really had myself some good COVID symptoms, but it's like, you're going through that alone. And it is not two weeks. It is, you are on month two of this. Right. And it, you have more months to go. And the first year year is the most important year Mm -hmm. in a transplant patient, heart transplant. I I can't speak for everybody else. I'm sure all transplants, but definitely. Yeah. The first, the first year is the hardest one to survive. So like the hospital that I go to boasts about like 99% of the people stay alive after the first year, just because it's so hard. Um, and I think it's also made harder by the fact that it is freezing here in Pittsburgh. Um, it's literally cold and flu season. It's yes. It was like negative thirty wind chill there the other day. You sent me that from your news, and I was like, no, yeah. absolutely not. Right. <laughs> so like in the in October, no, I got home in November. So there were a few nice days in November that I could walk around the neighborhood. But like now, I just can't even go outside because again, I weigh one hundred and forty nine pounds. I am freezing in my house yes. when it's seventy degrees. Yes. Like I, I, there's no way I can go outside when it's negative two. Dude. Um, so, and all I do is sit in the house or go to the hospital where everyone is sick. So yeah. that is the balance. And it's, but like, here's the thing. And everybody in your life who's talking to you and chatting with you is like, I'm sick. My kids are sick. We're all sick. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. I picture you're, you have like a mask now. That <laughs> I, I used to feel like when I got on the plane and I could hear somebody cough, my brain would like cartoon, like zoom in on that sound. And I'd be like, oh no, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, cause like uh, Marco Polo is my favorite app. It's been like keeping me company. Everybody's been so great. And it's like, but everybody on there is like got had a cold or had COVID or had strep or like whatever is going around the flu. And like you all are coughing or hacking and I'm like, Oh, like, like, don't, don't breathe. I'm like, like these people aren't in person. It's okay. Oh no. And then you're like, okay, I have to go get blood work today. And it's like, you oh. know that everybody in your mm-hmm. city is sick and it's like, oh. I have so much hand sanitizer in this house. I, <laughs> there is so much Purell and um, I also love Touchland. I, I was going to say, wait, is Touchland on Amazon? We should add that to our uh, Amazon oh, yes. add um, it. list. Add it to the list. Okay. 
Good deal. Yes, I, yeah. I updated our list today and I um, linked it on our resources section of our website so people can actually get to it because I had so many people that were like, so you told us about the list, but you did a really bad job linking it. And I'm like, <laughs> that's fair. Um, again, also apologize about our social media. I'm sometimes great at it, sometimes real not great. <laughs> you know what else I want? I'll have to share. I just got some new... Um, I think they're called like Ecos, like um, leftover, like to put leftovers in. I'll oh, send yeah. you the link. Um, just because like they're glad, because I've been, bacteria is a huge thing. Like I yes. can't eat, and we'll talk about it in another episode, but there's yeah. so much that I can't eat, so much I have to be careful about all this stuff. And so I was researching glass versus plastic and glass is better. And I found these mm-hmm. things that I really love. So I'm going to send you the link to that to add to your Amazon. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Because plastic is like porous. So you've also done... Um, Yetis. We've done some really cool Yetis yes. that yes. we uh, Cause I designed. Because otherwise I can't – once I hit two hours out of a glass or a bottle, I, I can't drink out of it anymore because of bacteria. But the Yeti, because it keeps it cold, I can. So yeah. Yeah. it's you know, And I can't drink tap Dude. water even though I have – we got this like UV ray. I was like, but we Amazing got a UV filter system. Yeah. yeah. They were like, sorry, you'd still have to boil it. So just drink out of bottled water. I was like, okay, great. You're like, awesome. But here's the thing. And there's a couple of things. There's a lot of things. But like besides the list that keep me going, my to-do list of like minor little things, I have a mantra that like – and it's not my mantra. I found it online. But it's like instead of saying like I have to go do something, like I have to go have a biopsy. I have to go in for blood work. I get to. Right, because there are so many people that are still waiting on a list. There are so many people that won't be able to get a transplant. How lucky am I that I get to go do that? Right. So, like, even if I have to go for a another biopsy and if if it's a rejection again, I would rather be at the point where I'm at a sixth biopsy or seventh biopsy with rejection than still waiting. I mean, I could still be waiting in the hospital. Um, And I think when you switch your mindset to whatever it is, like, I get to go to the grocery store. You know, I get to go to my job. Maybe I don't love it, but like I'm going to get paid. I'm going to be able to like pay my rent or my mortgage. Like if you just look at it in that level, like I get to, um, it really just switches the perspective and it's been pretty powerful. I actually got one of those, um, what do they call these? Like the little words. Yeah, the little words. It was so good. Yeah. I got her one that said badass and she took a photo the one day and sent it to me and I was like, I love it. Yeah. So now I have a little, I have two little words, um, bracelets. One says badass, one says I get to. Um, and so that's really helped. Um, and it's all about perspective. And obviously I understand how grateful and lucky I am. And I think about the donor family all of the time. Um, and just really lucky to be on this side of it. Cause I, after seeing my heart and talking to the doctor, I would have not survived. No, I, <laughs> this sounds funny. I truly don't mean it to be funny. Your heart looked like a piece of rare well done or a piece of well done steak. Like it was, I remember you saying that the um, woman who did the slides was like, it wasn't even the right color. And I was like, what does that mean? And then I saw it and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, no, that's not the right color. Like, oh my God. And just this, there was no space for blood. Nope. Like I mean, they, it, was, it was amazing I got as much done as I did, that I was that active. And, I, <laughs> and somebody said to me, it was your will to live. And I'm like, yeah, actually, that makes a lot of 100%. sense. hundred percent. There is but, there is no way. I I mean, I kind of would walk around with like that shit on a t-shirt all the time and be like, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> look at what I did. <laughs> yes. So I want to say to everybody, 
choose your perspective, but also like become an organ donor. Yeah. A hundred percent. You can save like, I think it's like seven or eight lives. It's insane. I immediately, I re- we've talked about this. Like I grew up in a family where they were like, <laughs> right. Well, me too. Adverse. And they were like, me they too. don't treat your body with respect. And at the end I'm like, I don't care what anybody does with my body. I, that's not true because I have worked in, um, I have my first day of nursing school clinicals. I was in a situation where somebody passed away and they were an organ donor. So I actually firsthand, like my first day of nursing school was a witness to that entire process. And Mm -hmm. it was a, you're treated with the utmost respect, the walk of the walk of life and the most powerful moments of just the doctors and people in the hospital, like, thanking that person as they go is like one of the most beautiful things that you will ever like ever, ever see. I remember I saw Um, that when I was on the floor, somebody died on the floor that I was on post transplant and I was doing a round of walking and they were, they were doing the hero walk. And I remember just being like, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh my gosh. And doctors and nurses who see it multiple times, in tears, like right. just like it, it is actually unbelievably respectful. Like it's beautiful. And at the same time, personally do what you need to do to my body. I'm gone. Please. Like in, again, we understand that there are religious exceptions to this, but like, this is my body. I don't need You're it not anymore. taking it with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, yeah. Get whatever you need out of there so quick to help anybody else. Like I'm actually, I, one of the things I said to Rob, I'm so excited that like, I'm going to have organs now that like people might want because they're not going to be like fatty collected, like not functioning organs. They're going to be cool. So people might want them now. And I was like, that actually made me so happy. Like that was one of my things that I wrote down. Rob and I write down like things that we're super happy for all year long. Right. Um, and that was one of the things I'm like, I could be like an actual organ donor now. Nobody's going to oh. be like, now nah, we don't need this girl's like 400 pound organs that are barely working. Oh, well, I mean, they even take like corneas and I was going to say, tissue. except for my eyeballs, we know my eyeballs would be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we should include the organ donor link in our show yes. notes. Okay. And can we share what you named? Yes. So okay. I, I don't know the donor. Um, I only know that um, it was a male. Um, so, and I needed a name. So I named him Elliot. So, Which is perfect. Yes. So, and then it was funny that they named this whole storm coming through <laughs> Elliot. When you sent that to me, I was like a force to be reckoned with. Yes, yes. I know. <laughs> So, um, it's and, so good. Yeah. And then I got, I, my friend found it was behind a car the other day and it was like a donate life, um, yes. Pennsylvania license plate car. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need one of those. So I just put the application in to get a new license plate that has like organ donors save lives and has the donor life. So, um, huge advocates for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I like, think we'll do, um, we'll include the link, but also I'm going to do a like separate post just to share that and like, yeah. And Jeff had cool post, thing to think about. And Jeff had posted, I don't know if you saw, we, um, you're not on Facebook, but he had posted like 
organ donor, like how all the things that happen when you can save someone's life, but then also like the myths of organ donation. Yes. So we should okay. post that too. We should post that. I'll, um, Rob has Facebook. Rob, we're going to break into your Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Jeff, um, if you, it's a little down on Jeff's page, you'll find it, but, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm so grateful to be on the side of it. I know I would not have survived. Yes. It's a roller coaster. Yes. It feels like two steps forward, one giant step back. I mean, it's a lot of that, but as we've discussed before, healing is not linear and it's all part of the Mm -hmm. process. And I trust my team and I'm still here to talk about it. That's what I love because the word rejection scared me the shit out of me at first. And Mm -hmm. then when I realized that it's a medicine update and your team is very adept at updating the medicine. (laughs) I was like, okay, we're it's, this is okay. This is Mm -hmm. why you went to this hospital. This is why you have this team. Like we got this. Yeah. Um, so also just the amount of people, I just want to like, thank everybody. It's been super sweet. Um, people have sent like messages, checking on Allison, sending their own stories about like sisters or cousins or dads and moms on transplant lists and like just being so supportive and we are really thankful for you guys because we it it's it takes a village of people and knowing that people are out there like hugging you and loving you from afar is very comforting. So thank you guys. Truly. For, I mean like, and I don't sharing. know, this is sort of a silly thing, but it stuck with me. So we were, we've been watching lots of TV, right? Like, cause we're not leaving the house. So we watched the mighty ducks season two on Disney. <gasps> yes. Do you watch this? I love the mighty ducks, but no, I didn't watch it, but now I will. <laughs> okay. So, so, I mean, we love season one and then we yeah. didn't realize there was a season two and then we watched it. Um, and there's this whole episode about how she's trying to build this team together. And she was like one twig on its own. It's very easy to break. Right. But a bunch of twigs together, really hard to break. And yeah. it is so true because like anything health-wise, whether it's just weight loss surgery or not just weight loss surgery, but like anything health-wise, yeah. very hard, very lonely. But if you have actual people that are like lifting you up, surrounding you, yes. checking in on you, just like making you feel seen and heard, it changes the game. I mean like- It changes from- it. Yeah, it changes it because I feel much less alone. Um, and like having that Marco Polo app has been great because people can talk to me, and it's yeah. not—it's more than texting because like I shake now with um, the drugs that I'm on, so it's hard to like text all the time. Exhausting to text yes. all the time. Like right. I have nothing shaking or anything, and I, <laughs> we know how terrible I am at replying to texts. <laughs> right. So then there's just, just like all of that is just a really beautiful thing. So thank you so much to everybody for. Um, yeah keeping up with us, even with our big hiatus and, um, and we will get back to talking about weight loss surgery. We've got a lot of fun things planned for season four. Um, but we thought we would just, Courtney said there were a lot of messages. That oh, we, we had something else, but Allison had like the sweetest notes ready about like <laughs> food and <laughs> everything. And I was like, so this can't actually happen. <laughs> we can talk about that next time, but we need to just talk about you. <laughs> right. Um, we need to update the people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, thank y'all. We will definitely, um, update this episode. We'll post the info on organ donation. We will add the things that Allison talked about to our Amazon list. And um, we're going to send you a newsletter either the end of this year or the beginning of next year. Also, who knows when we'll post this episode? It, it might be soon. <laughs> 
TVD in January. You're going to get this episode and you're going to get a newsletter. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Um, so we're doing it. We're getting back to the world. Uh, but also my baby goes to bed at 8 p.m. So we need to we need to be kind and gracious and um, allow time for healing. Yes. That's it. Yes. All right. All right, friends. Thank you so much for all of it. And I love you. I love seeing your face. I love knowing that other people can hear your voice and hear your smile. And it makes me very happy. Yes. All right. Go get, go sign up to be an organ donor. Woo woo. <laughs> get caught up on your vaccines. We'll see y'all next time. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Allison and Courtney are not medical professionals. There are two friends on this journey together who want to share their experience with you for informational and entertainment purposes. While we do our best to try and make sure the information presented in this podcast is accurate and true, Allison and Courtney are not doctors. Always follow your doctor's instructions and advice first and foremost.